You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about Miles Davis in a silent way. In the room, I have Rob Hello. and Grady. Yes. In a silent way is a studio album by American jazz trumpeter, composer, and band leader Miles Davis, released on July 30th, 1969, on Columbia Records. The producer was Teo Marcero, and the genre is jazz. And from the book, Joel McIver. In a Silent Way is not an album for the traditional jazz fan, the rock listener, or the devotee of fusion light. However, it is determinately a record for anyone who likes their music to stretch out unhurriedly, who enjoys a touch of an artist sensitive enough to let empty silences speak loudly as the music, and who relishes the unalloyed freedom of musicians allowed to move freely through sounds without restriction. Made up of two extended songs, each just under 20 minutes in length, In a Silent Way is a record that could only have been made at the tail end of the 60s and by a musician who almost exhausted the possibilities of the first half of his career. High points of the A-side include the keyboard, mastery of Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea, the dreamy soprano sax of Wayne Shorter, and the incredible atmospherics of Joe Zawinall. Meanwhile, flip the record and the oceans of silence between Mal's gorgeous, always understated melodies and John McLaughlin's apparently infinite guitar solo are nothing short of genius. In a Silent Way sits between Mal's early, sometimes over-enthusiastic fortes into electric medium and the full-on jazz rock roar that, that his supremely talented band would record in the following decade. What do we think of In a Silent Way? Guys, I like Miles Davis yeah. now. Boy. It happened. Atta it happened. Boy. I love it. Oh. I was so excited when you said that the other I, day. I, I, like, both, well, it stinks that Ben isn't here because he and I talked about it last night. Really? And, like, he was like, yeah, I really like that Miles Davis yeah, record. That's so good. And, like, yeah, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was fucking Chicory and Herbie Hancock, like, popping up on the keys. Well, or maybe it has to do with someone just kicking a bottle over it four minutes and 25 seconds. <laughs> and then later when they loop it back on, yeah, the, on the return. Absolutely. It, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it comes back. It, it turns out that take was good enough for uh, for two things. But yeah, the, the beauty of it is, and I didn't realize it like for the first couple of times I that I... I love hearing you say that, these that, words. That I listened to it. Was like, <laughs> each one's like a little fucking triptych. Like, yeah. Like, uh, fucking, uh, here's our opening. Is that an Your ostinato? Exposition. Yeah, okay. And then we're going to explore it. Hey! Development. We're going to do the whole thing. And then this is this is the, the thing that we do again. So it's just and like a fucking... Recapitulation. It's a fucking... It's, it's like a book. It's a book cover. And, yeah, I, and I, I, I think it might have to do with the instrumentation, the thing that, like, really, really grabbed me. Um, I mean, the... 
is fucking cool, like with the uh, the drums like and everything. Yeah. Um, and it keeps it driving, but like the bass line and like how fucking like how minimal this is, but like just the different like little like boom, 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 boom. Like there's a uh, there's a Japanese band called Mong Hang that doesn't exist anymore, but they had one track uh, that was this long instrumental that was just like but up, but up, but up. But up, but up, but up, but up, but up, but up, but up. Like, mm-hmm. and it was like doing these like the, the this um, weird like ups and downs, but like the the count was strange, and like there's a a little bit of that happening like in the background here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the the whole thing flows, and I think that would be thirteen. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a weird count. Um, but yeah, the, the this whole thing like it it I don't know it it's cohesive it. It's, it's a little bit challenging, and, like, when you listen to it a few Dense. more times, yeah. you, you hear more shit, like, popping out of the wings, but, like, I, I, I it, it's just really good. Yeah, I would say beautifully understated, and, yeah, something that repeated listening, you, it, it excels at repeated listening and having a sort of an experience yeah, within this is, it. This is one of my favorite, and I don't usually throw that word out, albums of all time, top three, I would say. Um, I mean, and I think, I mean, as, as a pianist, keyboard player, Rob, I mean, this, uh, one of the reasons this album just, just immediately I was drawn to it, I mean, you have Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, and Zawin, also three <laughs> of the you know, most amazing and interesting um, and they each play their roles. I mean, Korea is very percussive. He's like the rhythm player. He's doubling um, the bass line uh, as well. Uh, Zawinul's on the organ, so he's providing some color there. Herbie is doing more color on the roads. And that was one of the main differences where Miles was going. He started a new group, first bringing in Korea and uh, bass player Dave Holland um, and Tony Williams, the drummer, who, uh, along with Miles's girlfriend, uh, we're showing him new music, um, you know, Hendrix, Sly the Family Stone stuff going on, um, and actually the in the whole um, in the the full sessions, uh, the song Mademoiselle Mabry, which is written form na- named after Miles's girlfriend, uh, is a is inspired by um, Castles Made of Sand uh, in a very sort of abstract way. So Miles was taking a lot from. Mm-hmm. From pop and rock music, and as he would continue to with you know bitches brew into into the you know full blown fusion uh, era. But would you say that if this interests me, what Miles is doing later with bitches brew and going on we're gonna is going to be a thing well, that I continue to enjoy? It's not the I same. Don't know. And actually, the rest of the sessions for this are not the same either. Huh, um, okay. They're they're more. I mean, I don't know if you would get into. I'm going to be the really the interested. Sessions. Have you have you heard all those sessions? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first track, the Mademoiselle Mabry, actually is one of my favorites. Um, the rest of it is it's very open, a lot of boogaloo sort of driving. Um, it's not as melodic. It's not as. I mean, it's interesting because this isn't. You say it's cohesive. I mean, it, it is cohesive. I mean, all these parts, the, the the sort of the tone palettes, they're all the interplay between all the musicians. It's perfectly locked in despite Well, that had a lot to do free. with the, the editing for, and the, well, for this album. The editing certainly did a lot to make 
that this as the final exactly. outcome. Yeah, yeah. Culling from all of those hours and days and months of studio uh, work, um, you know, what ended up becoming the actual the album is like a, like a postmodern thing. It's, well, it's what a, can can you guys explain a little bit like what the uh, the concept was with sticking with this like the the the, the tonal properties that that make up like track we're listening to track one right now well i mean the the Um, the modal stuff with my modal goes back to kind of blue and before so i mean you're you're getting very you know you're you're playing in one open scale basically going over different you know harmonies and, and pedal points underneath um here, like, was this was this written? Because I know you said that kind of blue was open to interpretation yeah. by the, by the people that were playing it. But the, uh, I mean, like, it it, it had a, like base properties. Like, was this a uh, all right? We're gonna be doing this, but like, is there any particular? A lot of that spot? came in. I think came in the editing after the fact. Okay. Yeah, uh, with, yeah. The, oh. with the producer. So there know. wasn't any particular spots where they'd be like telling the bassist to like maybe like hang out on this pedal note. Well, or... I mean, no, that was certainly encouraged, and, and Miles would walk around the room and whisper little snippets of encouragement, inspiration into. The individual players. Yeah, ears. he had he had definitely had ideas about okay. what should be happening when, but it wasn't a fully spontaneous, just out of the blue thing. But right, but I think a lot of it. You're right with the editing, just making a sort of cohesive narrative that this is just like these two songs that are just these like long drawn out kind of uh, pieces instead of uh, if you listen to the full. A recording. I don't know if you would get into it as much because it does tends to go tor- towards like modal, a little bit like fusion, and it's got some more modal. And it's in, a lot noisier. He's a lot. He's a lot more restrained on on these. Uh, on, on these, and 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 this is a lot more melodic and just I think prettier in general. There's some gorgeous moments in Bitches Brew, but it's a lot more dissonant. It's a lot brasher. Uh, it's a lot more atonal. Um, I mean, I, 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 like, are, I, I are necessarily detractors or, or I, 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 or I came up with weird atonal shit and Stravinsky's still my and favorite, like, you go very to. Much, you very well um, may love, uh, Bitches Brew. Um, there's a, there's a good quote about, about this. Um, Jack DeJanette, who is the, one of the drummers who would be on Bitches Brew, described this as a quote unquote groove album. Um, this is the, I'm reading the liner notes to the full sessions. Um, Groove album uh, meant that they eliminated the exposition altogether, focused just on the development. So there's no real melodies. There's no, you know, hook necessarily. I mean, there, there is in a way, but not because it was written out. It's because that's how it was edited together right. later. It's just all of these individual musicians interlocking together. Um, and this is what sort of came out of it.
It's also been uh, kind of stated that this was one of the first sort of, uh, if you if you want to say ambient, uh, yeah, th- that would have been in popular music. I mean, yeah, tra- the first part of side two right. is full blown ambient music. Yeah, um, and that's a Zalinal track. I mean, Zalinal wrote a lot of songs that Miles would 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 play. Um, another big difference: um, Miles moved to the roads. Um, mm-hmm. the, the electric piano that I think this album and these sessions was his first um, real just experience and, and he, he started to focus on the roads because there was no it's pretty there was no sound it was a new yeah. instrument it was a completely yeah, yeah. new thing but it wasn't new what, well relatively speaking the, the, you guys know how the first roads was built right no it, it was scrap parts out of a uh, uh, World War II bomber yeah. Hmm. The, when? The, 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 um, when was it mass produced? When was it available? Let's look it up um, and pretend I know what I'm talking about I mean, it, in post. It was a fairly, I think, new instrument in the 60s. Yeah. Sure. No, uh, it, it was. was. And, and you know, now we have this this sort of sound that's associated with it, um, but that didn't exist. There was no de facto way of playing that. So Herbie and Chick and later Zawinul um, in, in other... I think sessions would all would all play that, and it became Miles's sort of go-to keyboard instrument. So for, it's easier to travel with. Yeah. For, from the Wikipedia, uh, the instrument evolved from Rhodes' attempt to manufacture pianos to teach recovering soldiers during World War II under a strict budget, <laughs> and development continued throughout the 1940s and 1950s. Fender started marketing the piano bass a cut-down version of the piano, but the full-size instrument did not appear until after sale to CBS in 1965. So yeah, the Rhodes was actually like. A dude trying to be like, it's okay, guys, I got injured, we're, we're making these tones. And I don't know if you've ever tried to tune a Rhodes or if you've ever fucked around with one. It's super weird, man. Like, the, the mechanics on the inside. Um, Joe Zawinul played for a CBS chairman uh, of the board during a presentation, which led to CBS then buying Fender. Yeah, CBS uh-huh. oversaw mass production of the Rhodes piano in the 1970s, and it was used extensively throughout the decade, particularly in jazz, pop, and soul music. Um, it fell out of fashion in the mid-80s, principally due to the emergence of polyphonic and later digital synthesizers, especially the Yamaha DX7, which uh, we will talk about thoroughly oof. once we get to the 80s. <laughs> talk about um, a bitch to program. <laughs> bitch to program, but if you've ever tried to tour with a Rhodes, it fucking fucking sucks. It's like 120, 150 pounds, and it, it's a bitch to pull like pull around. But yeah, the, the tuning of it is tiny little springs that are on a, uh, a metal tine that you move ever so slightly backwards and ever so slightly backwards and forwards to like try to get it in tune. It's impossible to do. Yeah. They're horrible to tune, but when you you have mine in your garage right yep. now, buddy. Yeah, yep. I know. <laughs> oh, is that here right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's uh, I don't know. It, it sounds so pretty when it works, but when it doesn't, it, it's it's a big old clunker. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, on, on this particular record, though, beautiful, mm-hmm. lush. Uh, but yeah, Williams is restrained on the drums the entire first side and most of the second side until. The very end of side B, he breaks into the ride symbol and everything opens up, and Miles just lets fly this like exalted, joyous solo, and then he brings it back down when Williams goes back to the sort of click, and Miles hovers around this note, and I think it 
to me is one of the coolest phrases ever uttered in jazz. He's these microtones right so he's just like within a delta of like not even a full half step on either side he's just sort of shimmying in between and it's god it's it's the fucking best i love i love listening to you describe it it's so good oh, i just love this album um it's really, really good. It's really good. Like, um, a, a thing that I'll go back and re-listen to. And, and it's weird, because as... So I pick up new fucking things every time I hear it. Like, that, it, it's an exciting... It's exciting to me when I get to fucking, like, do that. Because a lot of times with albums, I... You, you get fixated for a certain amount of time, but, like, it... There are so many, like, little things happening in the backgrounds, like, oh, oh, that's why that thing is... Eh, I've been follow that. listening to this album consistently, nonstop, haven't, haven't stopped since I was, like, 15 years old. Um, obviously joking, but I, I've been listening to it since I was Lol. 15. <laughs> Jokes. And, yeah, it was a really good joke, I know, like you can tell by the laughter. Um, <laughs> but I'm still finding new little nooks and crannies that... And, and, and for because it feels really dense because there's a lot going on just texturally there are three fucking keyboard players just just for starters um, and each one is doing independent things but it's all coming together and and it feels like it's not an album that just anyone could pick up and listen to but it, it also kind of is I feel it's really accessible I'd say it's one of the most accessible fusion despite al- maybe that's albums. why I like <laughs> despite it despite Yeah, he kind of he, he's he's kind of done it all. I mean, yeah, good on him. Well, how do we feel about the album? I would, <laughs> how would you say? <laughs> I, I, I would I would I, I'm going to continue listening to this. And cool. It's uh cool. It's it's super cool, man. Like, well, I would. What a great time! I even if you don't like it, I would definitely um, check out the. The, what, what's the? Con- it's just called the it's complete, the, the right? Complete, yeah, you know, Silent Way Sessions or yeah. something like that. Check it's it out. I mean, there's there's a lot in there, but it's not all great. But when it's great, it's the best. Yeah, um, I would say that as well. And That's a good and, way. and actually, listening to the full um, actual takes that were then edited and spliced up to go into what, what made the final actual album is is really interesting as well because on the on the first side there's a whole intro to that part that is actually not in the final cut whatsoever so you you sort of get a little bit of the evolution of some of the tracks and the themes and everything and then you notice how it was mixed and edited together to get get what we got and then then there's some stuff that's just different from it entirely i think mademoiselle mabry is is one of the most fascinating to me just because it's this like glacially slow intentionally off like you'll have these whole note and like 
so it goes for four notes or four beats, and then there's a rest, and then it's sorry, I'm, I'm explaining this terribly. It's it's very um, there's no discernible pulse. The the drums are playing all over the beat. Um, you know, these these odd meters, not not meters because it's in four, but odd rhythms. So it keeps you off your balance. Um, but then at the same time, it's the some of the most cool sounding music um not in any sort of hip way just in i've lost it now <laughs> <laughs> we success but, no but it, it's just su- supremely cool sounding music um in the best possible version of that of that uh yeah i would i would go positive on this just Definitely just taking jazz in a different direction. Would you say fusion? a new direction? No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would say exciting direction. Uh, I'd say an exciting I'm not direction. a fan of all of Miles's sort of fusion out there experiments and things like that, but I feel like this is definitely one that is accessible and like understandable, uh, rewarding to listen to. Can I be honest with you? I'm kind of excited about listening to more Miles Davis later on. That's the best thing that's come out of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next time we'll be talking about the Bee Gees, Odessa. Oh boy. Thank you. <laughs> Finally. That is after this. Wow. All right. Thanks, y'all.